The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hello, hello. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I welcome you to The Visual Workplace. I am your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. How wonderful is that? In each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system. This is our intelligence into the landscape, into the living dynamic landscape of work through visual devices, through visual systems and mini systems. How is it that we can install the language of our current level of operational intelligence, even if we are not quite as intelligent as we as intelligent as we wish we would be or as we shall be? How do we do that? We do it through visuality. We make that intelligence, those components of our operations concrete and specific through visual devices. And in that way, we can literally see, because of these devices, we can see how we think and what we think. And we can predict how that thinking, that embedded thinking will function because we've captured it. And this provides us with a platform for our continuous improvement, our continuous visual improvement. And the reason that we err, I should say that we have this bias for visual is because it is physical. If it isn't physical, it's not visual. And if it is visual, it is physical. These are devices. These are gadgets, things, apparatus, mechanisms that reside in the workplace, in the work environment as components of our intelligence. And what that does is provide us with a platform for seeing how we think, how we think right and how we think maybe not so right, where we have to improve. And we bother because of the incredible bottom line benefits. A 15 to 30 percent increase in productivity is what we see very, very often when we implement strongly, when we implement effectively. We see that. We also see tremendous improvements in safety, in quality, in aligned delivery, in shrinking costs. Of course we do all of this. Hmm? Oh, wonderful. And splendid cultural alignment. A spirited and engaged workforce, a workforce that thinks. A workforce that has been taught the principles of visuality. 
a workforce that has become a scientist, scientist of motion, of moving without working. And not just on the operational level, but on the leadership executive level, which is the focus of our latest series of programs. And you know what else? Another benefit of visuality is that we can flow. That our work flows and we flow. The information flows, the material flows, the meaning flows, and we enjoy ourselves at work. Hmm. Wonderful concept. We enjoy ourselves at work doing our work, connected with others who are doing their work, with great consciousness, with great intention, Hmm. even with wisdom. We bring these qualities, these other qualities of who we are into the workplace because we've made room for them because of visuality. Visuality creates the margin because (laughs) visuality holds our brain. (laughs) The level of our thinking is captured. We can see our thinking and we can also be supported by our thinking through these tangible devices. So welcome. Welcome to our show today. We're going to, we are picking up now the third component of the visual leadership for the executive function, and that is the war room. That's our focus for today. I have just a couple of announcements. You probably can announce for me, just to let you know, my book is out, Smart Simple Design Reloaded. It's available on Kindle and on Amazon. I think it's terrific. It's about the cost of complexity, and how to make your variety effective, how to give your customers choice, but not pay a terrible downward spiraling price. Hmm? And we also have our live webinars. Our next webinar will be on April the 9th. This is a public webinar online live where we'll be talking about delving into a case study of a trailer company in Holland, Royal Notabom Trailers. They did a very, very complete uh, implementation of visuality, including on the executive level. And I want to share that. It's about an hour, hour and 20 minute webinar. You can certainly leave after an hour, but um, we keep going for about an hour and 15 minutes and then take your questions. Our e-learning system, next announcement, our are up on our site, work that makes sense in about a week, mistake-proofing, and not too long after that, visual leadership, and then we'll be working on visual machine. These are all e-learning systems. They're complete systems of training and implementation. You can find us on the website. You can drop us a note if you have questions or you simply want to uh, widen the scope and let this be for multiple plants. We're happy to talk with you about that. So, I want to, let's see, I think that's it. I do want to say that if you want to be in touch with us, please reach us at radio at visualworkplace.com or you can call at our at our offices in Oregon, Portland, Oregon, 503-233-1784, 503-233-1784. If you have questions about this show, and this show is always, uh, whenever it is a live show, it is always also a show on um, a show where you can call in your questions and darn it you know what I can't find the number I'll give it to you after the next break I usually have it written in this little spot and it is not in this spot Hmm. so I'll tell you after the break you'll have to call hold your questions until then the announcer between our sections uh, says something about it but right now I'm going to have to take a pause on that so let's move on to the content of today's show we are about to track to tackle 
the third of the three core visual leadership tools or constructs, as I call them, for the executive function. And I want to mention just for a moment about why I use the term construct interchangeably with tools. I chose that as a special term because I find that tools, the idea of tools, whether hand tools or improvement tools, is generally overused. It's highly generalized now. It is so popular as to have lost its true meaning. Construct, on the other hand, is an idea or theory containing conceptual elements. It is something of the mind. It is something of the mind. And so in visuality, I combine the two things, making the construct conceptual and practical and tangible. The formats of, in this case, visual leadership. These are constructs for me. They are of the mind, but they have a tangible, a very tangible corollary, and that is the tool itself, the device itself. For example, in visual leadership for supervisors and managers, we have visual displays, those boards, and visual scheduling. We have visual metrics and the very tangible visual problem solving. And we have the operations roadmap, which we'll be talking about as our last show after the war room. We can't do the operations roadmap until we know where we're going and the executive gets to choose that. So those are the three constructs, <clears throat> tools as it were, for supervisors and managers. And the three, and they work synergistically. They provide supervisors and managers with the tools they need to see their problems, to diagnose, and to amend those operational problems. And that creates stability. And then they move along to measure, target, and implement the corporate intent. In visual leadership for the executive function, the three constructs are the operation system improvement template, shorthand called the house, the X-type matrix, which we've discussed over the last three shows, and today's war room. These constructs are about, these structures are about deciding and driving that corporate intent and verifying that the direction is useful and profitable for the organization. And remember, please, what we are looking for is not the use of the tools per se, not for them to be kind of point tools, solutions in themselves, but we are using these tools, and I'm promoting the idea of using these tools in order to create, to cultivate powerful leaders of improvement, effective leaders. And because leaders are not yet effective, not as effective as they should be, I rarely see a truly effective leader, their companies struggle, <clears throat> and unnecessarily. Listen. Every workplace is flooded with priorities that constantly compete for resources and for attention. How do we decide which ones to pursue? How do we decide which ones will make the company grow? And despite the popular conversations that say otherwise, improvement is always optional. It is always, it always represents a decision 
it always requires resources that are either additional or that you have to take from someone else. It doesn't happen by accident. This doesn't mean that improvement is out of reach or lower on the totem pole than day-to-day demands, day-to-day work. But it does mean that we have to be very intentional, very decisive about making room for it at the table. And on the totem pole, but more towards the top, we have to make room for it. We have to decide. And then we have to drive that. We have to make improvement a priority. It doesn't happen by accident. Even though we are by our nature beings of continuous improvement. Please again remember our discussion of the mind as a pattern-seeking mechanism. This is the mechanism in brain function that makes us look for the higher level. We find the pattern, it's there, we recognize it, we say good pattern, and then we automatically naturally look for the next level of pattern, the next way of connecting the dots, dots that were previously invisible to us until we created the base pattern. This is brain function. Remember, 50% of the brain's resources are dedicated to finding and interpreting visual data. That's a lot. So we're going to move into our break now, and I want to, after we get back, to move into a little bit more description about what is visual leadership, why is it visual, and how do the constructs, the formats, the tools of visual leadership actually trigger, uh, trigger stronger, more effective leaders, and that will segue very nicely into, then we'll segue very nicely into the war room. I want to kind of set this thing up because the war room will not make sense to you unless you see it as a connected line of logic as the next step. So I'll see you in a minute. I'll be here when you get back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Rivez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Welcome back to the second segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace, where we are discussing, we are resuming our discussion of visual leadership and moving towards a good look at the war room. And right before the break, I was saying, despite what the popular conversation may say about improvement being natural and improvement being uh, required, it is also always optional. It's always a decision. We decide to embark upon an improvement journey. We decide to continue or we decide to bail. It isn't like breathing. Breathing is not optional and not a decision. Meeting the demands of day-to-day work is like breath. You just do it to get through. It's hardly a conscious act. Improvement creates a consciousness framework around the day-to-day demands. Most people in leadership positions, where they are the ranking side executive, they're a plant manager, or they are a corporate manager, a corporate leader, most folks in leadership positions find themselves actually serving in a lower denomination. They find themselves not as executives, but in fact as managers. And there is a role for managers. It is important to manage logistics and be responsible for monitoring KPIs. But it is not exactly a progressive role, a role where something changes. And in fact, you could say that managers are about keeping things unchanged, stable. Because we are a manager doesn't mean we're a leader. If we are a supervisor doesn't mean we're a leader. If we are a VP or president doesn't mean we are a leader. It means that we have that possibility if we decide to undertake it. And it is dangerous to think that just because we're a plant manager, we're a plant leader. Because if we act our job as managers and not leaders, well, no company has ever managed itself into success. It may have managed itself out of a problem or a mess. We see that all the time. But it isn't progressive. We are not growing the organization. And that is the very issue before us. Is managing enough? Is that enough to keep our companies going? Is that enough for growth? Compelling natural leaders are rare in any field. Manufacturing, healthcare, government, you name it. To move away from that notion of compelling natural leaders, where you just feel lucky that one has showed up, our politics are rifled with that. We have to move away from our dependency on personality, charisma, or on management. And we have to implement instead a set of visual structures, constructs, that will force 
behavior, leadership behavior that will compel leaders because of the structure of the format to engage in behaviors that will make them more effective so that they not only go but they grow. And to succeed, most executives and managers need to develop a fresh understanding of what effectiveness means as a leader. And that's why I say they need to learn and deploy the principles and the practices, the constructs, <clears throat> the formats of visual leadership. This is the role that visuality serves on the leadership level, whether you are a supervisor manager, the first set of tools, or an executive. One of the reasons that visuality does that is that visuality harnesses brain function for the benefit of the corporation. Let's look at short-term memory, for example. Most of us, and as, as a species, humans, have not have not very strong short-term memories. It's not our strong suit. We simply forget things. We forget things that happened recently. Visuality offers us a substitute for short-term memory. Visuality says, hey, let's use your spatial memory instead. Let's use the memory that is embedded into how space is used and what happens in space. And it is one of the reasons why putting things on the wall and placing information into a visual, seeable, visible format is so powerful. Our spatial memory is formidable. It is awesome. Remember, 50% of the brain's resources is dedicated to finding physical evidence, visual data, and interpreting it. Information is spatial. Information is powerful when it is spatial and when it is not coming at us as sound, when we are actually using this tremendous capacity in the brain. So these formats are building on that. And this is used a lot in the so-called war room, the war room that we're going to construct. That war room is going to hold the spatial memory of the company of a certain direction. It's going to be held in the physicality of that room. Visual leadership is a set of mechanisms that help executives, we're going to talk executives for this show, identify and clarify strategic priorities and link them with meaningful tactical projects and resources and the metrics that drive them. Visuality is, harnesses the brain function. It is also a behavioral model. In fact, the easiest way to change behavior is by using structure. It creates behavior, visuality does, by having us use visual constructs, these formats. Okay, We're engaging in these behaviors. It's like a series of doors or gates. One way to look at visual leadership and how, how does a leader learn to be more effective by using the constructs of visual leadership, think of it as a series of doors or gates. The right behavior will open the door. 
the right key will open the door. And here's the magic of it. In visuality, the behavior that you're going to learn is the behavior that you use as the key. You are adopting, by focusing on these visual formats, the behavior that you're in the process of learning. And engaging in that physical format, in the structure, for example, of an X-type matrix, which forces you to organize your annual improvement plan around four priorities, the policy or the goal, the projects, the metrics that result, and the money that is made or the money that is saved by forcing you into that the quadrants of that X, you are already being dominated by that requirement and to force you to link your goals to specific projects through the cells of this um, of this layout is forcing you to see that connection and to build that connection all there on a single page it's the format itself that is teaching us by making us engage in the behavior, it is helping us, making us build that behavior. And so these series of gates are opened by adopting in an early form the behavior that actually will open the door, open a certain capability in the company. These two things are happening simultaneously, so we're learning and doing at the same time. Doing the behavior engages us physically. And that teaches us. If we think of the mind as the brain, as an organ, as a physical organ, we already have a mistaken notion of how learning happens and how our behavior changes, how we evolve, how we change. But if we accept the mind, brain function, as a field and not an organ, then we begin to understand that engaging the body helps the brain learn because the brain and the body occupies the same field. It's like a force field around magnets. There's a power outline that exists around magnets. There's a field. Woom, 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 woom. There's a field. <laughs> You've seen this on, uh, on television as people try to explain what a force field is. Well, we, us humans, are electromagnetic beings. That means we have a reach around us. It's our field. And we learn within that field. And it isn't just our brain. It's our body and brain. It's called mind. The body and brain together is mind. The field is mind. Hmm? We are thinking beings, but we think with many, many parts of ourselves. It isn't localized between our ears. Thank God. Thank you, God. It is not localized between our ears. We're connected in ways that are visible if we know what to look for, but invisible if we're looking in the wrong direction. Yes, we're getting to the war room. You know, I want to say to you, the stuff that I'm talking about is widely researched and understood, so much so that you can find it in the popular literature. I mean, magazines and on TV and on TED Talks. And what I'm saying now is, Let's get modern. Let's harness this knowledge to help us in our companies, to help us grow as leaders. 
and to understand why visuality and how visuality helps us cultivate those new leadership abilities. Those new, they're not even abilities, they're capacities in ourselves. They are unnoticed capacities in ourselves. Waiting. Potent. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, we're moving into our next break. I'll be here when you get back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Welcome to the unique job search community of Lynn Radice Live. You do have the power to land the perfect job. If you are unemployed or underemployed or looking for your next career move, tune in to Lynn Radice Live. Get a job, no excuses. This is a first-of-its-kind job empowerment show. Lynn will identify the most critical needs in today's job market and show you how you can get a top position today. Get ready. Let's get hired. Lynn Radice Live airs live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn at the Visual Workplace. This is our third segment of today's show, our radio show on letting the workplace speak, and we want executives to use visuality to speak as well, to speak and to be very, very effective, to align their behaviors with the corporate intent and in fact, to name that corporate intent. Just before the break, we were talking about the purpose of visuality for leaders is to understand how visuality helps us cultivate new leadership abilities, capacities that we didn't even know we possessed. And that is one of the main points that I have been promoting and presenting over the past, it's been almost a year and a half since we began this series, about 40 radio shows on visual leadership and then the power of visuality to help the leadership position. Enter the structure, use the structure, use the power of structure, and it will teach you. 
and as it teaches you, you will adopt the behaviors of using the structure, entering the structure more powerfully. This is not a catch-22. This is simply how we learn. We learn by engaging our muscles in new behaviors. And we learn those new behaviors by engaging in those behaviors. You can call it practice. You can call it rehearsal. I call it learning. So let's move to a case in point. Let's move to the war room, the visual war room, and discuss its place in the hierarchy of executive leadership constructs or tools, tools that require behavior and in requiring them teach us the behavior as we use them. I want to start by looking at the dictionary definition, the popular understanding of a war room, because it's very telling. So, in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it says that a war room is a room at a military headquarters where maps showing the current status of troops in battle are maintained. In a business headquarters, it's used for conferences and planning that is often especially equipped with computers and charts, LCDs, whatever. So you see a room with lots of stuff on the wall. Well, that's helpful, but it's primitive. It's primitive because this is the main station for the corporate leader, the plant manager, where the empire grows. So we know that physical ideas are easier to manipulate when we see things on the wall. And we know that seeing things on the wall, having that common moment, helps people work together because they share a common understanding. We know that our spatial memory is awesome. So when we plaster a room with stuff, we take advantage of that capability that we have. And we help ourselves remember things. We extend that ability. So we know that when we do this, we spend less and less time revisiting issues that we've already discussed. And we also know that we can hold on to issues for a longer period of time because it's on the wall. Because the spatial memory is being fed. But in the visual workplace, the war room is something else. It is something more. None of those things that I just said are not true. They are true and they're powerful and they're important for us to recognize. But just as operators let the floor and the wall speak by implementing the visual wear, 5S on steroids, so improvement leaders embed priorities and linked projects and then link metrics into the architecture of a room and when they do this room becomes a focal point it becomes the very heart of the improvement process that was initially configured or identified when we built our house and then the x-type matrix and now the war room holds them both so let me name four main purposes of the war room I am talking about a room and I am probably talking about a room that locks, that has a lock on the door. Because what is discussed in this room is mission critical. 
is the kind of conversation, the kind of data you do not want your competitors to get a hold of or anyone who might be careless with the information. It's high-level information. Even though we are going to, you know, start pretty modestly, it's still high-level information. And that high-level information is, is, uh, needs to be kept under, um, under wraps. So it's a room. And I want to also tell you that the war room meeting, this is my preference, and I'll explain why in a moment. My preference is that the meeting lasts 19 minutes a day, but that it happens every day. That you go to that room for 19 minutes every day, no matter what, at the same time, sacrosanct. And that in the protocol of, of procedures, every key person, every person who is there is a key person. And every key person has a proxy in case for reasons that are unaccountable. The cat threw up in my shoe. I was caught in Portugal, couldn't get out of Portugal. Someone shows up who is knowledgeable and represents my point of view, my function, my, my leadership role. So we have a confined group of people. We have a walls that speak within data, with data that is important to the corporation, to the, the company. And that it be a short meeting that happens with military regularity. No exceptions. So we begin to develop a pace and that pace becomes a cadence and expectations are known and met based on that cadence. Excuse me, I have to cough. Wow, that was a big one. Hold on. Water. Wonderful. More water. So having said that, a little bit provocatively, I'm going to name the four purposes of the war room. First purpose is to target, to provide the enterprise with a compelling, reliable means for establishing priorities and getting faster and better at results, results that are sustainable. So the first purpose of the war room is to use that room to target, to say yes to the few and wait to the many. This is what's important to say that. Second purpose is to resource, to rally the needed resources to drive improvement, to make sure that the decision makers are in the room, that we don't have to do anything through memo, we're making a decision right now, we know what we're after. We targeted. We're now going to resource it. We're going to resource it not only with your authority, but also with people if needed, with very specific expectations, with resources to get those mission, to drive those mission-critical outcomes. And that is the next purpose of the room. Purpose number three is to drive, to provide site leadership with the ability to drive those outcomes. You know what they are and you've resourced them and now drive them. And you drive them by watching them every day. You watch them every day. 
And one of the disciplines of the war room, which I love, is that the report outs every day have to be the size of what can be accomplished since the last war room meeting. There may be parallel efforts that will take a few days or a week or even a whole quarter to realize some longer-term goal, but the progress is reported in daily increments. In that way, we drive. We do not delegate, nor do we postpone. What can you do between today and tomorrow to advance this goal? And you may say it, you may commit to it, and when you show up tomorrow, you may say it didn't happen, and then the improvement leader has a chance to say what got in the way. And that brings us to the fourth purpose of the war room, to reveal the company's current improvement capability and to build it, to reveal and to build, to gain insight into and evidence of the company's ability to function on the improvement level, to respond, to stay the course, to get results. And that's one of the reasons why this daily, sacrosanct, 19-minute meeting asks for results in terms of what can you show me by tomorrow that advances us. Just like a war, we don't have time to postpone short-term goals for long-term outcomes. We have to make sure those short-term goals are aligned with our long-term outcomes that we are always advancing. I recommend to you once again the reading of the immersion into Winston Churchill's memoirs of the Second World War. Start with the abridged edition and be prepared to have your mouth open and just drop onto the floor at what this man accomplished. Yes, he had help, but I'm telling you, he, what, he is the personification of effective leadership. You know how Gandhi is the personification of nonviolence, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Gandhi who inspired him? Well, Winston Churchill is the <laughs> prototypical corporate leader winning the war, winning the war on waste, in this case winning the war against Hitler. But you watch what he was up against and you watch the incisiveness of his uh, leadership. He was always calculating the capability of Britain to reach, to meet that challenge, the impossible challenge of being this tiny island in the middle of a cold, cold sea that was saying no to Hitler. I didn't know it until I read the book that within two weeks of Germany taking over France, Winston Churchill had to decide whether or not to sink a French ship, the French who used to be allies just two weeks before, because now the ship was the enemy. The ship was being commandeered by the Germans against Britain. It was a hard, it was a harsh decision, but he made it, and the ship was sank. And he declared a direction there. And he was even more alone than before. 
because he certainly didn't have the support of the French people. They were not understanding why Winston Churchill didn't understand. But he had an unwavering understanding. And anytime he did waver, he went back to his core purpose. So part, he recognized that as a risk and he took it. So part of the war room's purpose is to reveal your company's current improvement capability and to build it. So let's go into our next break and uh, I'll see you in a moment. I'll give you talk a little bit about the stages of a war room. Describe it a little bit more in detail. See you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and welcome back to the Visual Workplace. We're really glad you can join us. This is the fourth of the. Uh, this is the fourth part of our show today. <laughs> there, I got it out. So. Just before the break, and we're talking about the war room, we were talking about the four main purposes of the war room. Purpose number one, to target. Purpose number two, to resource. Number three is to drive. And number four is to reveal and build. And then that last one is revealing your company's current level of improvement capability and using the war room to build it, to build that capability. And for me, it is indispensable that the war room event happens every day, not every week, and certainly not optional anytime there's a crisis, but routinely at a pace, at a cadence. 
and that it be very, very short. I choose 19 minutes because it is an odd number. You know, I could say 20, but I want to make the point of 19. To restrict the war room session to 19 minutes precisely in order that each session have a sharp and urgent focus. A sense of how highly limited the resource of time is and how valuable. As a result of this, the leader and his or her group has a much better chance to stay on track and be productive, can march towards the horizon that's already named, resist detour, and resist, and this is very important, problem solving during the session itself. The war room is not to solve problems. The war room is to target resource and drive. To resist, take that offline. Take it after the session. Do problem solving. Number five, to educate others, to resist the temptation of educating others during the session. If you don't know what we were talking about, well, listen. I'll tell you later. Catch up. We need you alert. We need your full resources. Don't indulge that. Number six, to listen better. So people really listen and they turn off their PDAs. They turn off everything. They are on point. And number seven, to respond pointedly, to be to the point. And number eight, that the leader and his group, her group, are poised to make decisions that lead to concrete action outside the war room. What can we do between now and tomorrow? And in total, in total, this is, this is what makes the meeting drive. We drive the meeting with those 19 minutes. I recommend it. I will tell you, most organizations that I work with, that I know, either by repute or visit or actually work with, are not ready for this. And I want to spend the next few moments just talking about the three stages of war rooms so that you understand that what I just described as an effective 19-minute meeting is something, is an event that evolves. It doesn't start that way. We bring all of our bad habits into the war room, all of our tensions, all of our misunderstandings. You can think of the war room, this very valuable leadership tool, as a, a, a tool that is already a mature tool. If you don't know what your organization is about, if you haven't done the house with the tactics and the method and the methods at the tactical focuses and the methods on the bottom, the way we described several months ago. You can't create an X-type matrix. You don't know how to name your priorities. Those are linked. And you can't really start a war room without, without something like Hoshin or an X-type matrix. You have to be very clear. And I think that'll be clear as I explain this. But this is more of a coaching event than an event that you learn and you do, meaning that I read about it in a book and now let's do it. The organization has to have a certain level of maturity to even set up a war room. However, you can move to stage one and it will help you. Here's what stage one of the three stages of the war room is about. You get the operational priorities on the wall so you can see them. 
you post the metrics that tell us how those priorities are behaving, how those priorities are doing. You can do that now. In our newsletter this week, I show a picture of the article I wrote. Oh, but it wasn't on the war room. Ah, oh, damn. Sorry, I'm, I'm thinking of a different article. Yes, no, it was for this. It was for the radio blast. You look at the radio blast in the Visual Thinker newsletter this week, and if you don't get it, just send us an email. We'll put you on the list. You'll get it. It's good. You'll see a reliable and equipment reliability room with people standing around looking at monitors telling you how the machines are behaving. Totally important for operations. It is the first stage for many companies of the war room, but it is not yet functioning as a war room. It's simply sharing data. This it usually looks like a bunch of scheduling boards and production control boards are useful and in some companies revolutionary, but for us this is only a stepping stone, a beginning. Don't get stuck there. It's just a list. It's a pretty list. Improvement as a resolve, as a commitment, is a dynamic process. And as we improve the variables of that improvement, impact what we do next and where we go next. It refines us. It refines us as we engage in it. This is what I was talking about, about the learning process is a process we engage in with starting behaviors and those behaviors give us more refined behaviors. You've heard me say often in process improvement, we improve the process and the process improves us in the process. So in the early stages, the walls are flooded with data, with stuff, lists and reports. Here's, here's the bridge to the next step, leaders. Leaders, you're required to reduce that number. You can keep that as a completely separate room, a visual scheduling room. LCD monitors all over the place, but that is not a war room, not yet. But it's a stepping stone. Now you have to select, to target the set of priorities. Not everything, much less than everything, this is your job as a leader. To say yes to the few and wait to the many, start practicing it here. Not just to name what is important, but to name what is more important. I didn't say to name what is less important because if you're in a business, nothing is ever less important. Everything can bite you and you know it. But to get from stage one to stage two, you have to name what is more important. And that's why we pay you the big bucks. <laughs> and on that note, I'll pick this up next week, the war room, and we'll probably slip into the operations roadmap because I'm anxious to share many, many other things that are going on. But this is important. We'll, we'll complete it maybe next week. If not, in two shows, I think we'll be done. I love talking with you. I'm so glad you're out there. Tell your friends and your neighbors and your mother and your cousins. Tune in. I'll be here when you get back. And This is Gwendolyn Galsworth at The Visual Workplace. I'm signing off. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.